I've always had a hard time um, with kids saying things in public. See, the rule is just don't let your kids talk in public. Uh, they never say anything. Like, for example, my girls, when they were real little, referred to people by the color of their shirt. So they'd say, when's that green guy coming back? Which you can imagine got us in trouble a couple of times. Just think about it on the way home. If the color of their shirt matched their nationality, it was always sounded a little more harsh than it should have. No? Okay, well. It was awful. It was awful. And we, we, would, we would have these situations. But what was worse was when you took your kids out in public and uh, people had to say things about your kid. That's the worst times is whenever you're in Walmart. We had this beautiful baby girl that we were so proud of. Clara had hair, just was born with so much hair. It was beautiful. And we could put it in a ponytail right away and put a bow on it. And we would have her in a dress. The dress would have a pop-up sign on the back that says, I'm a girl. And people would still walk up and say, oh, that is just the sweetest little guy I've ever seen. I didn't know what we could do to make her more look more like a girl. And people just, I mean, the number of people that said that was a boy. It was crazy. And they would walk up, and but the problem is, people see a child, and they have to say something. And you'll realize in life, uh, there's a difference between having something to say and having to say something. Having something to say is, Timmy's in a well. Having to say something always ends with you putting your foot in your mouth. You just open your mouth and start talking. Uh, blabberers or blitherers is what we call them. They've just got to say, who's teaching KFC this month? They've been yelling nonstop for a month. I love it. Sort of. No, it's great. But there, we just... And I do this too. Rachel, Rachel will tell me, you don't have to say things to people. And I think, but they're there. I've got to talk. Why, why not? They're humans. I'm going to talk to them. She said, she's probably thinking, that's fine. I would just rather you not talk. Because I don't, I, I do the same thing. I've got us, I have a child in front of me and you got to, you got to talk about the child. That's why you'll leave, you'll say, oh, let me look at the, oh, that's a baby. Because you don't have anything else good to say. Like one of those, oh, babies. <laughs> oh, look at a baby. It's a human, probably. But there's, the, you, you, see a, you see a child and you just can't ignore it. You just have to say something. Or sometimes you have something to say. I've been... Excited is when Dawson Dawson was in the uh, Rachel's nephew, my nephew, Rachel and my nephew uh, was in the uh, NICU for a long time. When he gets out, 
And any excitement people feel about that is not having to say something. That's they have, they have something to say. They have something inside of them that needs to be expressed. Having to say something is when you have nothing inside of you and you decide to express it anyway. That happens a lot in both scenarios. But the one we got today, a man had been... A man had something to say, and he had, had it. He want, is waiting to say it his whole life. His whole life, he's been wanting to say this. And there, in the temple, he finally gets to say it. Turn to Luke chapter two. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. For the teenagers in the room, that's a parenthesis and a comma, not a one-eyed frowny face. That wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, in your Bible, this is all uh, in, it's indented. Anytime in your Bible there's this indention and like odd lines, that's a song or a poem. Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Now, this is crazy because Mary and Joseph had both seen angels that came to them and said, the child is going to be the savior of the world. They'd both uh, been there when the shepherds showed up. They, they will be there when the, um, when the wise men from the east show up. They, they, they've experienced one magnificent and marvelous thing after another up to this point. A priest telling you your baby is special. An old man telling you your baby is special. Is different than an old man grabbing your baby and praising God because of it. Him taking from you and holding the child and then not addressing you but addressing God. Because of this child. This moment for them, they're just onlookers. The third part, they're looking in through the window that this 
that he's this moment he's having with God and this child who is the Messiah. This child who is God's son. And he he tells them, actually, let's let's go back one to the song. My eyes have seen your salvation. I've seen it, and it's just in this child. Kids do nothing. They do not, like babies, don't do anything. That's why adults are constantly pushing on to kids things they're eventually going to do. Parent, we, we can't look at children and not predict. Oh, look at him kicking. He's going to be a soccer player. Look at those fingers. No. Look at those fingers. Have you ever heard this one? Fingers. He's, he's probably going to play the piano. Look at those long fingers. Or like a, I don't know, like a shadow puppet artist. I don't know. He could be anything with long fingers. Like, it's just so crazy. Why are we guessing? Because we, we it's hard to just picture, like, a ba- we've got to figure out what they're going to be, what they're going to do, and it's a, it's a guess. It's a guess. People see Nolan all the time. Oh, you're going to be a football player, aren't you? I don't know. If he looks like me, probably not. They don't make helmets this size. He might, he might be a football player, but who knows? You know, like, but for, the, for him to take this child and say, you're not, you're not going to be, this isn't like some mild prediction. You're going to be the Savior of the world. Try showing up at a hospital bed and telling a mom that. I've always felt for Joseph a bit because he's got this responsibility. I'm constantly in the back of my mind trying to figure out how I'm messing up my kids. Like, that's a question I ask myself a lot is, are they going to talk about this in therapy? I mean, they'll probably go, but is this one of the things that they're going to speak about? And I got to make sure I just want to I want to get that number of things down to a manageable so that they're not spending a lot of money on it, just a little. And as a as a father, that's one thing, because I just dad to Clara, Macy and Nolan. That's one thing where, you know, I just I don't want to I don't want to mess them up too bad. But if you're Joseph. You've got this savior of the world you're watching out for. Have you ever turned your back for a second and a two-year-old scaled a mountain or a refrigerator or whatever? They're on top of the counter. They've got a knife for some reason. And you think, oh my goodness, like that could have been really bad. But if your child's the savior of the world, there's an extra layer of, oh no, God entrusted me 
with the Savior of the world, and I was scrolling Facebook instead of looking at him. I don't think they had Facebook back then. I'm not a scholar, but I don't know. They, he, like, but, but what do you, like, what do you do when your child is in danger? Like, there's a, there's a sinking feeling, but when you've been handed the responsibility of the Savior of the world, and God's come to you with angels, God's told shepherds about it, and God is, and, and this man in the temple comes and praises God because of your child. You better pay attention and not mess this child up. It's called on you. Then he turns to them. Simeon blesses them, the family, and said to Mary, his mother, this child, is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. What he's saying is this child is going to come into Israel eventually and just divide the house. And he's going to divide you too. He's going to know that it's, he's going to cause a disruption in the people of God. Some are going to believe him and some will not. And that same sword that divides the house of Israel is going to divide you too. We have some interesting stories later on in Jesus' life when he's in his house and he's teaching and someone comes up and says, hey, your whole family's here. And he said, this is my family. The ones who believe that I am the Messiah. James, the brother of Jesus, it seems um, from our understanding of how uh, church history works, is that he wasn't a follower. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah until the resurrection. I don't know how this goes. I mean, most of you would probably say, wait, hold on. How, how did they not jump on board, all of them? I mean, angels showed up. Well, Mary was on board. She knew, but there's also this part of you as a mother who, I would guess, as a mother, you're thinking, well, Messiah means, at least for them, it either meant that he was going to start a rebellion and lead an army. Or if she knew down to the very, like, if she knew what was coming, to watch your son go through that. John tells the story um, on the cross that, that Mary is there at the cross. And that Jesus tells John to watch out for her and for her to trust him. And Simeon, didn't, Simeon did not come to Mary and Joseph and say, Whew, y'all had a celebrity child, y'all's life is about to get easier. You lock arms with the Savior and your life does not get easier. 
You connect with Jesus and your life does not get smoother. It causes you to have to divide yourself and decide which side of you is going to win. The side that wants to follow Jesus or the side that wants to get your own way. And that's a hard choice. It's a choice that even Mary had to make. It's a choice that even Jesus' family had to make. It's a choice that, that Israel had to make, and it's a choice that you have to make. Are you going to side, give yourself side with the Savior of the world? Or are you going to side with yourself? What's easiest? A lot of times when we talk about Christianity being like making life better, what we're actually saying is whenever I connect Jesus to like a plastic version of Jesus to the thing that I've always wanted, it feels nice. When you bring Jesus into your life, he calls you to live a certain way. And I'm going to guess that you're like me. That when Jesus calls you to live a certain way, it doesn't line up with the way you've always lived. But Jesus redeemed us and set us free from that old life. We're not, by that he means... We're not bound or judged by that anymore. And now, we've been called into a more difficult life, yeah. It's much easier just to open your mouth and spread gossip. It's much easier to have to say something. Go out into the world and just have to talk, and so you just, you just say the thing that comes to your mind without consequences, hurting that person over there, or hurting this person, or like talking about someone who's not there. Have you ever been standing with three people, and one of them walked away, and then that person tells you something awful about that person that just walked away? What would have happened if you would have walked away first? People who talk about other people with you talk about you with other people. We are, we are called to let our words encourage and lift up. We are called to be the sorts of people that heal wounds instead of cause them. We are called to be wise with our uh, with, with, when we when we instruct people and when we lead them, and not be foolish in the way we address people, we are we are called to have something to say instead of having to say something. Because when we when we just frantically do what we want, we leave a wake of destruction that we never noticed. When we just choose ourselves, 
we get to do what we please. But when we choose Jesus, we are shaped and changed. What is it about Jesus that is different from you? And how can he shape you and change you? Jesus is going to take part of you, cut part of you off, right? He's going to trim you, trim you down. And rebuild it with something stronger and something better. You're going to have to choose whether or not you're going to follow Jesus or follow self. Simeon, Simeon said something. I think all of us, if we're honest and reflect on it, will eventually be able to say when we follow Jesus, we can say, now I can die in peace because I've seen the Messiah. The Messiah has affected me and changed me, and I can now die in peace. Woody Allen, yeah, you knew I'd quote Woody Allen. Woody Allen once said, I'm, I'm not afraid of death, I just don't want to be there when it happens. how the world sees it but we can see it with clarity and with 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 hope that death is not the last word that selfishness is not the only way to live that tearing others down is not the only way to act we've got a savior to follow who leads us to redemption, leads us to salvation, and leads us to resurrection. What is the good things you can what are the good things you can say? What are the good ways you can live? What's the side of you that's selfish? What's the side of you that's holy, that's chasing after God? You've got a choice to make. Not today. You know, we we're yeah, yes, today, but every day, not just today. You, you're going to go into the world and now make a choice. Am I going to look like Jesus? Or am I going to just satisfy myself? That's a serious choice. It's a serious choice. God calls us to make that choice every day. Now, hear, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying every day your salvation's up in the air depending on whether or not you're selfish. Today I gossip, though I must be condemned. Yesterday I encouraged, that was a good, healthy place. No, we're doing this for kingdom work. Because you are saved, you have holy speech. Because you've been redeemed when you didn't deserve it, we now are reaching out and doing good for the kingdom of God. We are God's representatives in this place. Don't be a bad representative. Don't, don't, don't be a jerk. That's the worst, the easiest Christian application, but it's the hardest one to wrap your head around, isn't it? Don't be selfish. Jesus is going to split you right down the middle. 
You've got to decide which side you're running for, which side you're working for, which side you've chosen. Because the Spirit of God is tempting you for good. And the Spirit of Satan is tempting you for bad. I had a moment when I was working at McDonald's a few years ago. You know those, those, well, those, in cartoons, Satan, uh, devils and angels are popping up on people's shoulders all the time. And this elderly woman had pulled in, I was taking money and taking orders. This elderly woman had pulled in, pulled up, um, and I opened the window, and she didn't uh, see me. She was um, like away. The window's here. She's driving. She was away looking for change. This is back before debit cards and all that. Looking for change, and a little just popped up and said, "You should scare her." And on the other side, an angel said, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> I didn't say boo or anything. I just said, 547. We had a good laugh about it. You're going to have moments in your day tomorrow where you know there's a decision to be made. You know. And the devil's not going to make you do it. You're going to choose. You're going to choose to either do the thing that is right and good or the thing that is unholy and hurtful. You get to make those choices. Now, maybe sometimes you've made the wrong choice over and over again that it's going to be a hard, it's going to be an uphill battle. Your instincts are going to not help you, but the Spirit of God will. You are being tempted for good. Let that win out in your life. If If you want to recommit to following Jesus, or you want to commit for the very first time, you want to be united with Him in baptism, please, please do not let today pass without choosing a side without deciding which, what, which path you're going to take. Please do, do it this morning. Come forward right now while we stand and sing. Would you be free from